previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. He said he never really had a childhood. He never had a birthday party because I guess he wanted to move, live with his grandparents. But his father got remarried. That second wife hired two men to kill him. When that part was found out, she went to jail. They got divorced. When she was released from jail, what did they do? Of course, they got remarried. <laughs> because he wanted to give her another chance to kill him. She was convicted of trying to kill him, and he married her again. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Did, did you hear Chessie in the background of that? Chessie barking in the background of that story? Yes. Here's an email from Adam Jameson. It, it, it does, it's not even an email. It's just the title of the email. Love hearing Chessie bark. That's it. <laughs> so Chessie's become a star of the show. Michael is here. Nigel is here. I'm here. We're at Uncle Benny's table. Let me explain. We were going to go into studio today. We were going to go back to WMAL for the first time in a year and a half. They have given us another studio. It is far brighter, physically brighter than the studio we were in, not nearly as depressing. Um, it's larger. It's not enormous, larger. It seemed to suit our needs. Nigel had gone over there, worked with an engineer so that you would be able to stay in the room That's while right. we were doing the show. It seems to be perfect. And we were going to go over there because I'd reached the point where I thought, let's try and get a larger crowd into the show. Let's try and reinstate what we did before and see if it works or, or go back to this. But on Friday, we were informed, Friday, July 30th, on Friday, July 30th, we in the District of Columbia, where I am sitting right now and where the studio is, we were informed that Mayor Muriel Bowser had reinstituted indoor mask mandates. Now, there are some states, like Texas, because I was talking to my friend Mike Litwin last night, who informed me that this song I really like called Help Me Make It Through the Night was sung by a woman named Sammy Smith. I have no recollection of her at all. This, this is something that will take place later on in a show. Bill Isaacson's friend sings this song, sent me a video. It's a fabulous video, and I got involved in the song. But th that is, at the moment, neither here nor there. But Mike told me that the governor, Greg Abbott of Texas has issued a decree against mandates of any sort. You cannot mandate anything. This, of course, is insane because it means Greg Abbott, as the governor of Texas, cannot mandate anything, should he want to. Even mandating no masks under penalty of death. <laughs> he can't do it. So in the District of Columbia, Mayor Bowser is able to mandate the resumption of wearing masks indoors. Now... Everybody on the show is vaccinated, and we would wear the mask into the building, into the studio, and then we would take the masks off to do the show. You can't do the show with masks. We're not playing that game. But I just felt that on the first work day, because this went into effect Saturday, so you have Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, the first work day of the new mask mandate, it seemed to me a sort of, honestly, an act of hubris to go in and resume doing a studio show, knowing that we were not going to wear the masks inside the studio because it would make for a bad show. There would be no reason to, to do that. So I said, let's hold off for a while. Michael and 
Nigel, your thoughts on this? I mean, people should share in our thinking. Yeah, and I appreciate that you are sharing this because to me, this is about modeling. It's the same way that I've been behaving a certain way because I have two young boys who who are not yet eligible to be vaccinated. And if we look at the numbers that are skyrocketing around our region, you also look at we have guests who have been traveling who, or who have been seeing family yeah. or they're going on vacation. Kids are going to camp. So I, I, they may, unbeknownst to them, be carrying the virus. Right. And I think that's what we're still trying to figure out right now. So, you know, I appreciate that. I think it's you're trying to look forwards and backwards and trying to make these decisions with the best available data that you have right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, well, first of all, I wasn't sure how we were going to get Benny's table, Uncle Benny's table, into the new studio, so I'm glad that we're here for this. Yes, well, um, we were not going to get it in, but we were going to actually cut off a small end and bring it with us. Now, does Chessie come to the new studio? No, she does not convey. <laughs> Chessie does not convey. So when we can get to the studio, we will get to the studio. When we can resume the format of the show that we used to do, we will. Yeah, and the good news is we've done the work now to get the studio in shape, so we should be, when when we make that decision, we'll be able to, to pivot very quickly. But yeah, just to, to echo what Michael said, yeah, I'm, I, my comfort level is whatever your comfort level is. I don't want anyone to do the show feeling as sort of like as yeah. if they're being put in arm's way. Yeah, so we're okay. Um, I got a lovely gift from Smathers and Branson. They, they sponsored for a while, right around Father's Day. Father's Day, yeah. Hopefully they'll come back again. They make those needlepoint belts. They right. make these hand-crafted belts. Key fobs, hats, yeah. Yeah, they're really good. And we, we know Austin. You know, Austin Branson is my friend Bob Branson's son, so we know Austin. Look at this Binghamton belt. Ooh. Look how beautiful that is. That is nice. Michael, did you arrange for this? I did on indeed. The sly? <laughs> it's a Binghamton belt. It's, got the, it's green, and it's got the Binghamton... Uh, white and black B for Binghamton. I thought no better way to celebrate my seven-year anniversary with Liz, seven years of happy marriage, than getting I was you going a to custom needlepoint belt. Well, and and you know what? And to to do that for someone else is really quite nice. I basically spent my whole life doing for others, other than the things I've done solely for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so this belt is great, and I will begin to wear this belt today. And yes, it is your anniversary. Um, August second, two thousand fourteen, eight two brute, day two fourteen. <laughs> so that was nice. Yeah, eight times two minus two. Yeah, you got yeah, to yeah, fourteen. Yeah. So we were also. Um, I think. Yeah. No. Eight, times, eight times two is sixteen. <laughs> minus two is fourteen. Uh, we also had dinner last night at Michael's house with Chan and Moni which was very nice. Michael cooked fabulous chicken. May I ask And then an tried etiquette. to sneak a vegetable Yeah, may I ask me? an etiquette question <laughs> to one Nigel Stern over here? All right. So let's say that you were, I don't know, you, you, were, host, you, were, ho- you were hosted, you had a nice dinner, wine is being poured, mm-hmm. and someone gives you a side dish. Would you try that side dish? I tried it. I, I poked yes, at it. Yes, of course I would. Yes. Oh, so, I about, so about six weeks ago, I said to Dad, I'm going to make an eggplant dish that you actually like, and you said, fat chance. I don't like eggplant. Try. I don't need eggplant. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, a year after... I ate around the eggplant. I ate the things that were you, orange You were and like red. a toddler, and you pushed it to the side and mashed it into the plate. I didn't want... <laughs> but I love the chicken. The chicken was delicious, and the bread you made, you made focaccia. Yeah, we made a, we made a focaccia oh, with uh, my sister's tremendous. starter. Fantastic. And was, oh, now she's coming calling, because she is her starter has died, so she needs me to revive something. So you her. can send her yeah. starter food? So uh, a year... Um, this gets confusing, because my wife's name is also Liz. A year after our, our, our wedding, we went to Paris, and Bob Ryan gave us a few... Uh, recommendations because he would he would go to paris all the time and so the the ratatouille that i made for you was based on a dish that liz and i had at one of these cafes 
I'm not saying it's been it was hours bad. I'm saying, don't guilt me. <laughs> Everybody else ate it and loved it. <laughs> I don't eat eggplant. I, don't, I just don't eat eggplant. That's all. And there's eggplant in it. If you had not said to me there was eggplant in it, there was a better chance I would have eaten it. But I appreciate the honesty. I ate around it. I ate the things that were orange and red and bright green, knowing that eggplant does, okay, so can got- change its stripes, but not its essence. <laughs> not its essence. So I did, I, I will also mention this, and we will get to this when we talk to Wilbon about the Cubs and the Nats, the two AAA teams in Major League Baseball right <laughs> yeah. now. Wander Suero giving it up. Oh, Wander Suero. What a, just, <laughs> I mean, if I'm the Nats, what I say is, do you want Scherzer and Turner? You must take Suero. Yeah. We don't care what you do with them. You can cut them tomorrow. Right, but you must go. take Suero. And Suero so nonchalantly, Suero gives up a three-run home run, the guy's third home run of the day, or two-run home run, whatever it was. He ties the game in the seventh or the eighth. And Suero strikes out the next couple of guys and then nonchalantly walks off the mound like, That's I'm move. pretty good, huh? I'm pretty good. No, you're not pretty Projecting good. those numbers. You're actually terrible. You're actually <laughs> terrible and you don't belong in the majors. So, and I, I was texting with Chuck Todd and I went back and forth on this. We're still watching. We're watching every pitch. Oh, yeah. We, we know this is a 40-win team. Yeah. The team has been strip-mined. And, and you can say, as people will say, other than Trey Turner, every person who was let go, was cast out, was jettisoned, was in the last year of his contract. So you get somebody else to pay the remaining three months of the contract, and you start over, you save some money, and presumably you keep that money and buy somebody better. You can say that. But it was a devastating amount of people that went. The best pitcher, the best infielder, the best second baseman and the third best hitter on the team, the best catcher on the team, the best home run hitter on the team. I didn't see that coming at all, getting rid of Schwarber. It was the sheer volume of players. And then whether you like the bullpen or not, and you know I hate the bullpen, although I don't hate Hudson, I do hate Hand, the back end of the bullpen. That's gone. All gone. Yeah. All gone in a 24-hour period. And and then it's, and why would you get rid of Trey Turner? Like, why? What are you getting back? Why are you getting rid of Trey Turner unless Trey Turner has told you, I'm out. And if Trey Turner has told you that, this is what has happened in less than one full year. In less than one full year. You have lost the left side of your infield, which had two all-stars, young all-stars. They would have been all-stars for 10 years. Rendon, who you let walk away, and Turner, who you cashiered. I mean, so how do you, have, how do you keep faith with your fans? In other words, what, what I would have said is while I was sitting there, if I owned the team and I was listening to my general manager read the list of names of people who were going to be gone within the hour, I might have just I raised my hand and said, Mike, could I just ask one question? Sure. What is it? <laughs> well, it would be this. Who exactly is going to buy a ticket to see this team now? Yeah. We depend on gate. We don't have a national television contract that's very worthy. We have local television, which is good and gate who's going to come in and if you think that's not true i have a friend who's got season tickets who put tickets up for sale on stubhub and got no bites at all (coughs) excuse me no bites at all 
because nobody wants to see so, this team. So now. thoughts on that? Let's Except say, me and Chuck Todd, we watch every pitch. Right, and if you're management, you might say we're looking at what the numbers are. The same same way you have it, you know, mask mandate now indoors. Yes, you might just say we don't have those fans coming to the game anyway because no one's yes. going to be going. Yes, yes, and that is the countervailing position. Yeah, and the and the other position is we're getting a lot of prospects. If two or three work out, great. We're happy, and we have some money to buy somebody who we want. Yes, all of that is true. But then, what's tough is you, you but, talk about you talk about losing your entire left side of the infield. That that then affects the future as well, where you take one of your top prospects in Carter Keboom, move him away from his natural position, short try stop. and force him into third, put him at short now, and that's been a failure. But you don't know if you then can go back to that. Try to put him at short. Who's who's at short? Escobar. Put him at short. Who's Escobar? I mean, Kai, Carter Keboom had prospects. I will tell you how bad it was, and I didn't I didn't grow up here. I grew up in New York, but I've been here for 40 years, so I consider myself sort of, kind of, Washington. Jimmy Crilly spent his whole life here. And Jimmy Crilly wrote me a note, and he said, this feels like we've lost the team for the third time. They lost the Senators twice. Yeah. And it said he feels like he lost the team again. Because if you, they won the World Series less than two calendar years ago. Yeah. They didn't have time to get bad. It's not like the Cubs. We said the Cubs gave you five years of showing you they couldn't win. We'll get to Wilbon in a second about that. It's not like the Cubs. And they just cashed it out. It all starts with Strasburg. It, you know, so who was right on him? Yes, he won the World Series. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. How's he done since then? Has he pitched 25 innings since then? I think it's like 26 and two-thirds. Yeah. And what's he making? A lot. Two and a half? $250 million. Yeah. I will say this, the one thing that this, and I, and I hate this as, as a fan of any team when you're like, well, there's no reason for me to, to, to really root for this team. I, I root for this them. team. Yeah, but it just, it takes a lot of thrill out of it. But the off season should be a lot of fun for you. As they, you know, will you okay. get Scherzer back? Are we gonna I don't know. Him? You're never getting Scherzer back. You might get Schwarber back. Yeah, you, I mean, but you're not getting Scherzer just back. Just the general pursuit, you got, it should be a fun off season. And it's okay. And, and this, is, this is the other part of how I feel. You want to trade Max Scherzer? He's got to approve it, so he's got to feel it's the right deal for him. Yeah. So I think you, Michael, can't you presume that they are in lockstep on this Scherzer? Scherzer went to the team he wanted oh, to yeah. go to. It's okay. He wanted to go there. We begrudge Scherzer nothing. Not, not a thing. Nothing. It's greatest pitcher Scherzer is the warrior god. Yes. Well, the Walter Johnson is the greatest pitcher oh, well, in Washington. Well, okay, history. sure. <laughs> but he's second. He's second. It's a good list. Yeah. That's oh, the list. Oh, and by the way, one small correction. We talked about Schwarber going to the Red Sox. Yeah. And he said, well, he can play. He can DH. He can't? Well, J.D. Martinez is their DH. So I think the plan well, J.D. is J.D. Martinez first, can't first play, play first or outfield? Uh, he's not really good in the outfield. And so Schwarber, Schwarber can't play the monster. Well, no, but I think, can't. I think they're going to have him play first base because they've okay. had a huge hole at first base for okay. him. So I think that's the plan for him. Well, that's, that's big, big debut tonight. Max. Josiah Gray, right? Oh, Josiah Gray. Yeah, I thought Ma does Max go tonight oh, in I L.A.? Don't I don't know. Um, yeah, Josiah Gray. He's, he's the... He's the creme de la creme of the prospects. I know who won't be pitching for the Dodgers tonight. Who won't be? Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Nigel. Um, all right, we'll take a break. Um, we'll come back. Michael Wilbaum will join us, and you'll hear his sadness at what happened to the Cubs. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a new company uh, in terms of sponsorship. It's called Bright Sellers. It's a wine company. You sign up and they send you wine. Let me read some of this copy. If you've ever been overwhelmed in the wine aisle and bought a random wine you end up hating, you're not alone. Finding the perfect wine match can be intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. That's where Bright Cellars comes in. 
Right Cellars uses a wine algorithm to match you with wines you're guaranteed to love. All you have to do is take their 30-second quiz and they match you with wines based on things you know you like, like your favorite type of chocolate or favorite type of juice. You did this for I me. I did it for you. And, and you asked me some questions. I did. Them. I think I put the wrong chocolate in, but the recommendations that it's they okay. made for you are, are spot on. Yeah. Bright Cellars and their sommeliers source their wines from all over the world to assure each box has a wine you haven't tried. Plus, each box comes with education cards so you can learn about the wine tasting notes, serving temperature, and you know what food pairs well with your wine. Perfect for a surprise date night dinner, which I don't have anymore, or for an at-home wine tasting. Then it says, mention a wine you had and what you enjoyed about it. I hold up the wine that I opened the other night. It is called Folk and Fable. It's Cabernet Sauvignon. It's private reserve. Wine's terrific. <laughs> it's terrific. I love it. You can always switch up the amount of reds, whites, and rosés if you're a seasonal wine drinker. I'm just a red drinker, that's all. Skip an order whenever you want. The best part is if you do not like a bottle of wine, Bright Cellars, and that's C-E-L-L-A-R-S, Bright Cellars, offers a delight guarantee. We'll send you a replacement bottle in your next order. For a limited time, listeners to this high-quality podcast get 50% off their first six-bottle box by going to brightcellars.com slash Tony K. That's Bright Cellars. Let me spell it. B-R-I-G-H-T-C-E-L-L-A-R-S dot com backslash Tony K to receive 50% off your first six bottle order. Bright Cellars, helping you discover wine you love. 50% off. You want to use the code. Now, you got to be 21. Here yes. are the caveats. You got to be 21. And by the way, when wine comes to your house, most of the time, somebody has to sign. Yeah. Uh, and also, they can't ship to Alaska, Hawaii, but just says part of Kentucky. It doesn't say which part. So fantastic. I don't know. If you're in Kentucky, you better figure it out. Mississippi, Delaware, ah, oh, Delaware or Utah, due to liquor regulations, able to ship to all other states. So if you live on the border, it's easy for you. That's brightsellers.com, Tony K. Use the code. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is M Theory. Randy Landis, who plays on M Theory, sends us music. The guys who play are Tom Walsh, John Fumo, and Randy Landis. We have used their stuff before. We have indeed. This is called Time Inside. This plays in Mike Wilbon. They're going to play twice for us today, which makes me happy. I'm going to vamp for a little while with Wilbon to set this up. Because we have had discussions over some period of time not so much about the Washington Nationals, but about the Nats, uh, about the Cubs. The Cubs won a World Series they had not won in over 100 years. Almost nobody alive in Chicago had been around the last time they won. And Mike, after being so happy that they won the World Series and being so attached to the team, told me a number of times, it's okay if Joe Madden leaves. It's okay. He won a World Series. As recently as a couple of weeks ago, he had come to the conclusion that it's okay to get rid of Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, the heart of that team, that World Series winner. It's okay because they gave us something in Chicago that nobody had given us for 100 years. And then it was obvious they were, not that individually they were declining, but the team was declining. And so Wilbon said, this is okay. And then both of us had this moment last Friday in which our teams were devastated. And I will say this, that I think the Cubs were even more devastated because those guys had been around through the rise and the fall, and everybody identified with them. And Wilbon was okay with it when it happened, but then you've been in Chicago, 
and I believe you have changed your mind a little bit about what happened and how you are with it, right? No, no, there's no change of mind. No? It wasn't just okay. They needed to do this. The team needed to do this. Um, I became convinced a year ago that the 2016 Cubs, that's the year they won, are like the 85 Bears. Everybody here thought there would be more. The players, the stars were young and dynamic, and they had been yes. included in MVP. You know, um, whether you're talking about going back to that Mike Singletary and Richard Dett, or, you know, Chris Bryant, who was the league MVP. Um, and yet it didn't work, Tony. And I, I just I came to believe that those two teams are very similar in that they just didn't there was no, it wasn't in them they they did something so incredible in that time that that was it that was all they had to give the 85 bears it wasn't because they hadn't won in forever or they hadn't won in 22 years but they did something i think that's the greatest team of my life in foot in pro football and maybe ever and there are people who i i know the dolphins were undefeated in 72 but there are people who mm-hmm. think like i do on that who aren't chicagoans and in the Cubs, I, I just think that they did something so difficult. The pressure to win a World Series with that organization was so tough. And they were up to it. They were young. They did it. And that's it. There's no more. There's no more to ask of them. They did the impossible thing. Even more so than the Red Sox. Even more years, like 20-some years longer than the Red Sox took. And that was it. And so I became convinced that, yeah, they're going to have to redo this. So becoming convinced of it or being okay with it and the reality of it, those are two different things. Yes, yeah, speak so, to no, that. I didn't change my mind. I think the Cubs needed to probably – I'm taking the management baseball view of this. These guys are free agents. They may not resign. The Cubs are not the organization, Tony. They're not the Yankees. They're not going to pay, even though they're, they're, they've had the third or fourth highest payroll in baseball probably three of the last five or six years. They're not going to pay four dudes, you know, $700 million. They're not going to do that. That's not the Cubs. So now what do you do? And so the reality of it, being here, and being here has not changed my mind. It just, it just made me sad as hell. The whole well, you, town what you told is me, just yeah, in mourning, in mourning, right. angry and depressed. Angry That's depressed. what I want to get to. So, like, wh- while you're still good with your decision from a baseball standpoint that this is the right thing to do, were you prepared for the reaction in the city of Chicago? No, no one what? was prepared. No one. I had dinner two nights ago with Otis Wilson. Now, I know Otis, how nothing has a long <laughs> shelf life anymore. People don't know the name Otis Wilson outside Chicago. Otis Wilson yeah. was a starting linebacker. For the Bears. And a star yeah. of the 85 Bears. Yep. And, and he still lives here, and he is celebrated. People come over from restaurants here. I dinner with a group of guys, including Otis. And Otis started shaking his head. And he is a guy who's a member of one of those two teams I'm talking about. And Otis said he, he wasn't prepared for this. And we both sort of concluded, Tony, and I, it's, it's easy to overstate this stuff. 
it, particularly when you're living in it. But we we both had a reference point. We were trying to figure out when the last time the city was this depressed, and and the combination of depressed and angry. And there was there were like three or four times, like in in the forty years of our adult lives, and. One of them we both agreed on, didn't want to say it out loud, it's true. The last time was like the death of Walter Payton, mm-hmm. who, was, who wasn't even 50. Walter didn't live to be 50 years old. And we were like, when is, when is the last time? And one of the, the, the touch points we came up with was that. There was the year, there was, there was Bartman, and that was you know, purely sports-related. But I, I, and, and that lasted for years, and I think we would go there earlier. That was 2003, I think. And there, Derek Rose's injury, um, the knee injury, which just threw the whole place into depression. But they were talking about four or five things in 40 years. And it just, it goes on. People, people walked up to me every day, including yesterday. I didn't really go out much yesterday. And they just, they just start knowing what I do for a living and knowing that I'm a Cub fan. And they're like, dude, they just killed us. This is awful. I'm never rooting for the Cubs again, or whatever the reaction is. Ooh. I'm never rooting. My brother has said, I am Ooh. done with them. My son, 13 really? years old, never lived in Chicago. Never. Matthew texts me every day. So that means starting Thursday when, the, when it was apparent it was going to happen, Friday when Rizzo was traded, Saturday, Sunday, four days in a row. And the text goes something like this. Dad, this is awful. The Cubs are terrible. How could they do this? And remember, it's not just those three. It's Lester. It's Schwarber, who yeah. lived in the building I am sitting in now. And so did Baez. And so these 13, this is the only team, this is the only baseball team and players that he has known with this organization. And so you got kids walking around, people under 20, they are just, they are seething. People talk about it on the, it's, it's, it's everywhere. You cannot get away from it. And so and how so, is I it? Tony, yesterday, that's one reason why I didn't go anywhere. I didn't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk about it with anybody. So, and then, by the way, all three of these hitters, Baez, Rizzo, and Brian, open up with home runs yeah. on their new teams. Yeah. Open up well, with home Schwarber? runs. How about Schwarber? How about he had 800 well, home runs before he got hurt for you that's guys? That's true. That's true. Well, now, so you know how how we feel in Washington um, because it it came sooner. In other words, you could look at the Cubs and you as a sports writer all your life, you could make an objective decision. It's not going to work. We're not going to get back to the World Series. We maybe don't have to blow it up, but we got to do something. We got to get rid of some people. Washington, they didn't even, we didn't even bottom out. You know what I mean? It's right. a year and a half. We didn't yeah. even bottom out. Yeah, and, you, and everybody's gone. Attached. That means you weren't as attached to those people. And, Tony, you hadn't gone 108 years. I, I, mean, not, I get that. I totally get that. And yet, see, that I guess the reaction that conf- confuses me, confuses and surprises me, is people in Chicago saying I'll never root for them again. I got no, down Tony, in front of the television mean... set. I went to I watched the Nats and the Cubs let yesterday. I watched every yeah. pitch of the game. I'm I did. not watching them. I'm Whoa. not. I can't do it. Whoa. I'm not doing it the rest of the year. I'm not going. One of my one of my close friends here Whoa. uh said to me, I've got tickets. 
um, we're going to be gone. You should come to the Cubs White Sox. And I said, okay, I'll do it. I can't, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. Really? Look, Don is not going to not root for the Cubs ever. Right. But this is just like, you know, the, you, you know, the girl of your dreams leaves you. You're not, you know, you, you're done for a while with everything. I'm not going to the Cubs. I, so yesterday, this is this. I watched. Is, this is the irony. I watched Swero give up a homer yeah. to yeah. tie the game and because said, why is he still in the league? Tony, so. you, had, you had a year and a half with these people, as you said. Yep. You traded two of them. You didn't trade. Again, it wasn't just three. It's Schwarber. It's Lester. That's five. And I'm missing somebody, probably. But you, there's, So there's five people. And even already, Al Mora had gone. Dexter Fowler had gone. It's a whole team. It wasn't yeah. two dudes. Well, Nats too. Nats too. And that the Nats they get rid of their catcher, their second baseman, uh, okay. Schwarber, their left fielder, Max Scherzer, two of their bullpen guys, and Trey Turner. Well, you where you go? Schwarber, what are you Schwarber doing? Didn't win with you, but. We didn't win, but but people actually—he was hitting like crazy. Had a million home runs in June. Listen, he, Tony. So yesterday, I'm, there's no sports on. I mean, there's, there's the Olympics, and I wanted to watch. Oh, okay. I, I watched track and field last night till it went off because I loved it. But I wasn't watching. I wasn't watching sports. I, I wasn't in the mood for it. And I decided to just turn the TV on. And I guess the last channel that was on here in Chicago when I last was here was the Cubs, the Marquee Network. I turned the Cubs on in the ninth inning. I turned it on long enough to see to some see dude walk in off. red boom, boom. go yard. Yadiel, second that's home it. run. That's, yeah. that's what I turned on and saw. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> and, I, and then that's when I realized I'm not, I'm not going to the Cubs. I'm not going to Wrigley Field, which is my favorite thing to do in my life. In my life. In 62 years, my fa- my single favorite thing, more so than going to Northwestern, more so than going to, to the United Center, just the act of it, the act of going to Clark and Addison on the train, in a taxi, walking, my favorite thing in my life is going to Wrigley Field, more so than going to Soldier Field. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not watching them. Not, not, not now. Not now. Not for a while. And so, I don't. It's not going to last for forever, right? And then, right. by the way, then I turned on one click, one click down to the White Sox, and they win in a walk off. Oh, okay. They win in the ninth inning walk off over Cleveland to take their lead from would be seven to nine in the division. And so, there's an interesting dynamic here with the part of Chicago that, that roots for the Cubs, which is about 75%. And they got to the, – most of the people who root for the Cubs, they don't acknowledge the existence of the White Sox. If you ask them where Comiskey is, they would say, I, it, it's somewhere out there. It's somewhere over there. I, I've never really been to it. Now, I'm not that way because I grew up going to Comiskey as well with a father who's a Sox fan. But the White Sox have a nine-game lead in what is a glorious summer for them. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I am going to root for the White Sox. I'm going to follow them. I am going to root for them. I hope they win. I I certainly know their owner better and longer than I know the Cubs owner. Ricketts, I know Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Reinsdorf is a friend. 
Yeah. So I'm rooting for them. Kenny, Kenny Williams, who you know we've had on PTI, yes. is a yes. close friend. So I actually have more, P- I have more reason you know, now, currently, to root for the White Sox. And I'm going to root for them. I don't, I don't care that you know, people think there have to be division. There are few of those people anyway as we go on in time. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be like Don and say I'm done with them. I'm not going to do that. He's not done either. His feelings are hurt. Everybody's feelings are hurt. So I get it, what's happening in Washington. But we, we had these guys for five and six seasons, and they all just got run out. And I get it intellectually. You're right as a sports writer. I, the, he doesn't want to win divisions or be the wild card. He want, this guy, Jen Hoyer, Theo's guy, he wants to try to win it all again. And I applaud that. But in the meantime, I'm like you. I'm holed up in my apartment and won't even leave. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Let me move on. Are you? You. You said you were watching. You watch the track and field. Did you watch anything else in the Olympics? Are you yeah, watching? Because you um, told me you I were having difficulty of a lot of things. Yeah. But the I realized the only thing I care about. Um, I care about the basketball. I don't obsess over it like a lot of people. I obsess over it this time because it looks like I mean I don't even know I don't know, I don't know that we can beat Spain, but track and field track and field is what I love about international competition more than anything else. I, swimming and gymnastics are fine, and that's what the ringheads um, they obsess over that. They don't go to anything else. They don't cover it in the same way with the same passion. Um, track and field is what I love, and I watched that last night obsessively, and I was glad I did. I don't. I didn't know the transition. You know what I mean, Tony? I like it, from the '80s to the '90s to the aughts to the teens, because I covered the Olympics and I knew all of them, and I could sit in a stadium as I did at the World Track and Field Championships four years ago with Ronaldo Nehemiah and watch, which is one of the great things I've ever done. I could run into Maurice Green and talk with him about this stuff because I knew these people. You did too. But I, so I didn't know them last night. I had a couple, you know. But I watched it all and watched the new favorites and watched the new stars. And it was refreshing to me, particularly after last week with the drama and the sadness of the Simone Biles situation. She's going to go um, again. She's going to give it one more shot on night. the balance beam. I, my problem with the Olympics isn't, isn't any different than anybody else's, I guess. I find myself cheating and going online to read the Washington Post, and I know who won and I know who lost, and then eight hours later, I don't really care in the same way. You know, I I haven't been able to keep myself immune from what has already happened because of a 13-hour time difference. So it hasn't had that great feeling to me. It really hasn't. But like today, did you watch track and field last night, Tom? I watched some of the track and field, yes, because yeah. I like I like track and field. I mean, that's what I like I'll be because it, I love there's it. no ambiguity. There's no, no judging. No, no. There's no judging. There's no. You, you break no the tape, you win. Screaming at the at the, the Romanian no. judge. There's, no, there's, you, you break the you tape, you win. You don't have that. And so I watched. I mean, the long jump was particularly entertaining. I just thought more than usual because the of the people involved, and I didn't know the Americans, and I got I got kind of into you know, Googling people really quickly and finding out where they went to school and who they were and that sort of thing. And so that, that and, and Tony, the number of athletes worldwide who went to, who were, who were competing, and you go, 
What do you mean Joe Willie Thomas uh, is from Romania? He went to Kentucky. <laughs> you know, there's the yeah. number of people that are worldwide who, who, have Amer- who are American. It was just crazy to me at some point. And, and a couple of them were easy, like the, the Bears linebacker, Robert Quinn. His sister competes for, for Puerto Rico, and she won the 400 hurdles last night. And there were other people like that, 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 you know, went to school here. I guess there always have been that. Uh, but I, I found that interesting, and I didn't know who won. I didn't look up anything. Because I'm avoiding all sports media until I can get over the Cubs hurt, and that may take me about, like, two years anyway. By the way, did you, do you know what the pole vault record is? This was a stunner to me. Do you know how high they go in the pole vault? No, I don't. This is okay. So I am old enough, and you were old enough to remember when John Yulsis was the first person to go over sixteen feet, right. and that was, was thought to be an unbreakable. Now. Yeah, that was thought to be an unbreakable barrier, and then yeah. Sergey Bubka kicked it up to seventeen feet or right. maybe eighteen feet, for whatever. Bubka. It's over twenty. Mike. No, come it's on. over twenty. It's over twenty. I had God. no idea. It's over twenty. Yeah, I would have put money what? on 19. I would have said, okay, what? somebody has gone 19. It's no, I read because this. Because we checked out, Over Tony. 20. We checked out for a couple of Olympiads, not to mention the yeah. World Track and Field Championship. Over 20. Unbelievable. Wow. Pole vault. Unbelievable. So you watched the pole vault. You saw some of that. Uh, just, you know, there's these poles. You, just to get them in the ground, you, you know, you bend backwards. It's, it's just, it's weird. All right, I'll talk to you later. I'll right, talk Joe. to you later. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back. Steve Sands from Tokyo will join us. Talk about the golf. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Summer is winding down, and so is its carefree nature. Ease back into reality by seeing how much you could save on home and auto insurance. A new copy. Things you want to do. Evening swims, popsicles on hot days, dog belly rubs, things you don't want to do. Overpay for home and auto insurance. Policy Genius can help look for similar coverage to what you have now, but at a lower price. Your adult back-to-school list, haircut, organize the office, find a better deal on your home, and auto insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. They've saved customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $350 per year on home insurance. Add that up, kids. That's $785. Getting started is easy. First, head to PolicyGenius.com. Answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Policy Genius will take it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they will switch you over for free. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is M Theory. It's a high-energy funk soul horn band. It's really, this is sort of good. That's great. This is sort of good. M Theory, Randy Landis sends us the stuff. This is called Spire of Fire. You can listen to these songs in their entirety at the end of the podcast, not have me talk over them, which is always better, actually. Steve Sands joins us now all the way from Tokyo, and we will, we will get to the important stuff 
like whether or not he has a heated toilet seat down the road. <laughs> but we're going to start <clears throat> with the golf. Xander Schauffele. Xander Schauffele won the golf. Lovely story in the Washington Post by Chuck Culpepper about his ethnicity, his citizen of the world quality, and all of that. From a golf standpoint, he's intriguing because he has failed with the lead a number of times in majors and is thought to be one of those guys who is in the category of greatest player to not win a major. What do you think of him winning the Olympics? Well, I read Chuck's piece uh, in the Post online. It was really fabulous. good, isn't it? It's um, really good. It really was good. And it really put Xander in his proper context as far as the sports world and also you know, from a family standpoint and what it meant for him to win here in Tokyo. And, and, and Xander's a great player, Tony. You know, he just hasn't won a major yet. He's a young, young man. He's had opportunities. Uh, he's performed well in majors, but he hasn't closed one of them yet. And they normally take time. I know a lot of people who are his peers have probably won at least one. Uh, but usually these things kind of take time. So there's no giving up on Xander. And I think Sunday in Tokyo, um, Saturday night uh, in the U.S., it was, it was a big spot for him. You know, his mom's from here. His grandparents live here. Uh, he had his dad there just outside the ropes, who's his coach, his only coach. Uh, who he's ever had in his life, and he made a very, very impressive par at the last uh, after hitting a poor drive, but he wedged it uh, to about four or five feet and made a downhill slider to win the gold medal with all of it on the line, and that was a very, very big win for him. It was the biggest par putt of his life, as Justin Leonard said on TV when we were doing it live, and it was the biggest win of his life. I wanted to ask you how his father got there, I thought family wasn't allowed. His father was apparently trying to become a decathlete at one point in Germany. I assume West Germany at that point, but I don't I don't know for certain. But I thought parents weren't there. Does he get in because he's a coach? Yeah, he got in because he was a coach. Just like Justin Thomas's father, Mike Thomas, has been the only swing coach Justin has ever had. He was allowed to be here. His mother was not allowed to be here. His mother's not his swing coach. So they used the, the family card, uh, was not allowed, but the coaching card was allowed, and that's why Stefan was there. And his backstory is amazing. A tremendous athlete in West Germany, as you said. It was not East Germany. It was West Germany, post-war. And, you know, it was a heck of a run for him to try to make it to the Olympics. That was his stated goal all along, and he was hit by a drunk driver yes. on his way to yes. probably qualifying to represent Germany in the Olympic Games, and his Olympic dream ended. So we had a chance to chat with him live on the air after Xander won. And Stefan's kind of these guys, he's not someone like, you know, a Marinovich or a Capriati's dad or anything like that, but he's involved and he's out there, man. And, And he and Xander have a fascinating relationship. They love each other very, very much, but they are not afraid uh, to say how they feel about each other when things are not going uh, so smoothly. And it's, he was filled with pride, Tony, uh, when he won. It was a really cool, emotional scene with Stefan and Xander. So this is interesting to me because he's a, um, he's a pretty thick guy. If you're going to be a decathlete, you've got to be really strong and really well-built. And Xander is sort of a thin guy. Uh, yeah. You know, and I just I, I sort of wondered about that if if 
if Xander looked at his dad and said, the last thing I want to be is, is big like that, I want to stay exactly the way I am, and rejected sort of the Bryson DeChambeau way of going after golf. Yeah, he's not going that route. Xander's going to be just fine doing uh, the things that he does, going about his business his way. He would have the stature more of his mother than his father. He has the incredible hand-eye coordination and the athletic ability. He clearly got a lot of that from his dad, but right. he got more of his look and his stature uh, from his mom. His, his father's a big boy, man. I, yeah, I've been around yeah, Stefan a long time. His, his father's a large big. guy, and he's a he's a big boy, and Xander is not a very big guy at all. No. No. How about the seven-man playoff for bronze won by a guy I'd never even heard of? How about that? What was that like to watch? <laughs> yeah. CT Pit. By the way, you know what I found out today? In, in Taiwan, which is Chinese Taipei in the Olympics, right. but Taiwan is what we know it as. Um, if you win a bronze medal, you win $100,000. How about that? Oh, Picks up oh, that's good. k for winning the bronze. They would have picked up $600,000 uh, if you would have won a gold. So that was a big, big moment for C.T. Pan. He's a nice player on the PGA Tour, kind of a journeyman, but he's been out there a long time, played collegi- collegially at University of Washington. I'm sure Michael has heard of him. He's a nice player. Um, but when you're in a seven-man playoff for third place, <laughs> that's an odd thing for professionals, Tony. I mean, there were a couple of those guys who kind of walked by us and said, seven-man playoff for third place they go well it's for a bronze but they don't look at it that way because they're pros which is why i heard your show last week when you said you know golf really doesn't have that olympic feel to it well it did have that olympic feel to it on sunday in rio when they were going for the gold and it had that again on sunday here in tokyo uh five years later but when there's a seven-man playoff for third, it seems a little odd for a guy like Rory McIlroy or Hideki Matsuyama or Colin Morikawa, but those guys busted their butts to try to get that bronze, and C.T. Pan was the last man standing. So this is so now we get to a part in this conversation where I need your opinion. I don't like okay. the Olympic golf format. I think right. if you're going to send a team of players from a certain country, two or three or however many people you can bring in. I think they ought to play together. I think they ought to do best ball one day. I think they ought to do alternate shot the next day. I think you ought to I, I think it should be more about your country and your team than it is now, where now it's the John Deere classic. I mean it's just like who gets the best score at the end of four days and I don't have a team sense at all and I wonder how you feel about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you a little bit there. Uh, before Rio in 2016, we all thought, boy, I don't know, professionals in, in, in the Olympics, does it really mean that much when you have the four majors, you have the World Golf Championships events, you have the players, those are the nine biggest events in golf, and you throw in a couple of really big PGA Tour events like the Memorial, like a Bay Hill, those kinds of events, and you're thinking, boy, where does the Olympics fit in? But Olympic gold really means something, Tony. You covered a lot of these. I've been to a lot of these in winter and summer as well. Olympic gold means something, even to the pros. So, for instance, Rory McIlroy, years and years ago, said, oh, the, the Ryder Cup's just an exhibition. I'm here to win. Well, then he played in his first Ryder Cup in Wales and said, you know what? I was dead wrong. Ryder Cup is awesome. Well, he qualified to play in the Olympics five years ago in 2016 in Rio, first time that golf had been back in the Olympic Games in more than 100 years. And like a lot of other players, he skipped it. 
He said, nah, it's not that big of a deal. Then he heard how big of a deal it was from Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson and Matt Kuchar to be on the podium, Justin Rose to win a gold medal for himself and also for Great Britain. And he decided, you know what, if I qualify in 21, I'm going to go. Well, when he got here, some of the flags saw the pomp and circumstance of the Olympics, and the Olympics are nothing like they normally are this time, Tony, with no fans and all the protocols. He said again, like the Ryder Cup, I changed my mind. And I think the Olympics uh, needs to have golf in it. It's going to help grow the game. And the responsibility for all of us is to be here and to go for it. And he thought it was really, really cool. Now, having said that, the format, you know, I don't love it. I, like, like, like in Rio, like every other week, I do the play-by-play early, and then I go do the interviews late. And, I, and I'm, it's weird to say the phrase Team USA or win it for America in an individual sport. They're playing yeah. for themselves, even though even they're playing for themselves, even though, Tony, they have the red, white, and blue and the USA all over them in the uniform and, and the sweatsuit and all of that. So I'm with you on the format, but they think this is the best way to do it because you have to have more than just, you know, the top 20 or 30 players in the world able to play. So they bring it out to 60 guys, play a four-day stroke play event. Don't love that, but I guess that's the best way they need to do it. All right, let me get It'd to the critical question. Team, Let's be more, be more fun if it was a team. Yes, event, to be honest. that's what I'm saying. With yes. two guys. For a couple, couple of days... Like, yeah, yeah. I, it's kind of like a Ryder Cup President's Cup, though, and I think they wanted yeah. to avoid that, and they also wanted to make sure they expanded it beyond the top 20 or 30 players. Those those 30 guys who were on the bottom 30, Tony, they had no chance of ever winning a medal, but they were still Olympians, and that's part, as you know, the Olympics is a Big TV deal. show. You yeah. know, we, we, we see Caleb Dressel, and we see, you know, Simone Biles when she's competing, and we see Katie Ledecky and those kinds of athletes, but... You know, the real, real Olympians are the ones who are just here because it's like a lifelong goal, and they've tried so hard to get to this one point, one time in their life, and they're trying to do that in golf as well. So I think they're trying their best to make it the best for everybody across the globe. It's summer. You don't need a heated toilet seat, but do you have a heated (laughs) toilet seat where you're staying? Tony, it's not summer in Tokyo. You ever been in Tokyo in July and August? No. Let me tell you something. Tokyo in July and August is D.C., Orlando, Memphis, the Mississippi Delta, and Houston together, man. It is sizzling here, man. And it is humid. Wow. I mean, D.C. is humid in the summer, and I love D.C. It's my hometown, but my goodness, is it humid in the summer. You know, I know Wilbon loves to say how gross it is in the summer. He's right. I mean, it's okay. Still the best city in the world, way better than Chicago. But <laughs> it's really hot and humid here. Really, really hot and humid here. And that heated toilet seat is so great. I have not stood <laughs> up to take a number one in nine days. So good to hear. What is now, we talked to Barry's Verluga about this, about how all the people at the Washington Post eat together and they're separated by little plastic partitions. What are, what are the NBC people? What is your what is your eating circumstance? Do you have a private same chef? Same, no, oh. no, we do not have we no do private, not have chef? A private chef. No, no, this is not, uh, you know, this is not, you know, some second house in Rehoboth with a second chef kind of, you know, with a chef kind of deal. The, uh, listen, it, it, it's, <laughs> this is, 
it's tight here, man. The protocols are really tight. The government has really restricted things, and they're doing what they think is best for their country. We are visitors. We are guests in their country. Okay? So we have to play by their rules. Here's the worst part. This would be a tough spot for, for you and for a lot of my friends like yourself. The last call for food and alcohol is at 7 p.m. The restaurant or wherever you are closes out, gone, no matter where you are, no matter how melted the ice is, no matter how much food is on the plate, at 8 p.m. you are gone. Out of here. There's no wow. 801, 802. It's a curfew and right. you are done. So if you don't get back... We had two lightning delays that were two and a half hours on Thursday and Friday. And when I tell you we were racing back to get home by 7 so we could order a drink and have some food, we were zipping back. So, you know, things are tight. We're all together. We're not allowed to leave the hotel. There's there's a couple places downstairs to eat. Uh, But it's not ideal. Tokyo is one of the great cities in the world. And, unfortunately, the athletes aren't playing in front of fans. People aren't out and about. Bars and restaurants are empty. The streets are basically empty. It's a shame. This is such a fabulous place, and it's just, it's just not, you know, putting its best foot forward right now for the world to see. It's, it's, it's really, a, really a shame. Is there women's golf as well, or just men's? Oh, I'm still in Tokyo, Tony. Come on now, there's women's golf. Okay, so it's women. So that'll be this week. So that okay, good. Start I wanted Wednesday to make morning, sure about that. Tuesday night. Yep, Tuesday night for you guys in the East Coast. We'll start again. Same thing. Seven thirty a.m. for us Wednesday morning. Six thirty okay. p.m. Tuesday night. So it's a Wednesday to Saturday, not a Thursday to Sunday. So for the U.S., it'll be Tuesday night to Friday night. Will be the finish. Okay, well, at least for a couple of nights, you're assured of getting dinner and drinking before you have to go. Is it the same golf course or a different golf course? Same golf course. They're going to slow the greens down just a little bit so they're not as fast as they were for the men. They're going to mow the rough down a little bit. They did that today uh, on the golf course. Uh, It's going to be the exact same golf course. The yardage, obviously, is going to be different. The the golf course will play just a touch softer, but... It's still the same venue, and, and the women are going to really like it. I've never, Tony, never in my career doing golf seen every player in the field say, this place is immaculate, this place is perfect. Next to Augusta, Augusta National Golf Club, I've never in my golf broadcasting career seen a golf course in more pristine condition. This place is absolutely mint. The women are going to love it. Have a great time, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, thank you. All right, Tony. Back to the toilet. Take care. Steve Sands, (laughs) boys and girls. Absolutely tremendous. We will come back with email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag Gonna read some for all of you folks Tim Wildsmith, Nashville, thank you so much. 
Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? We got ba- bagel sandwiches and today. And you get one. Oh, I get one. You, you get, get one. one. You get one. You get one. <laughs> Everyone gets one. You can get one too. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say it's automatic. When I talk with old friends, a conversation turned to girls we knew when their hair was soft and long and the beach was the place to go. Suntan bodies and waves of sunshine. California girls and a beautiful coastline warmed up weather. Let's get together and do it again. That's the Beach Boys. I happened to hear that the other day on the Beach Boys channel that I've got where they sang it live in London and Mike Love does the lead on that. That was great. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Steve Sands. Thanks to our sponsors today, Policy Genius and Bright Sellers, a new sponsor. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. This is from Bob Walsh in Wethersfield, Connecticut. Thank you for your support of the Summer of Littles 3.1. This is the one last email regarding the event. This will take place on Saturday, August 7th. And all of you know where where you can gather wherever you live. Currently, over 200 Littles and Friends have said they will attend one of the 41 venues around the world. For those who can't attend an in-person event, there will be virtual venues via Zoom. But time is running out. Interested Littles should go to the website summeroflittles.com to RSVP for an in-person venue or sign up for the virtual venue, all taking place on August 7th, as Little Lee Gordon has declared, finally, August has a holiday. From Greg in Winooski, Vermont, I'm the director of a small private preschool and elementary school in Vermont. I moved here about a year ago from New York City. Sure, I've had a run-in or two with a rat on the mean streets of Gotham, including stepping on one once on the corner of 103rd and Amsterdam, but the chipmunk is new to me. These invasive rodents have no shame, no understanding of human conventions like boundaries, doors. For a week, we had a furry intruder traipsing through classrooms, digging up plants, bounding around the live trap and coloring with our crayons. The other day I was listening to the show as I do when it hit me, bait the trap with a peeled cherry tomato. I don't know if you've ever tried to peel a cherry tomato. It's not an easily accomplished task. So far, no varmint, but I'm hopeful this will do the trick if it's possible. I'd like to be the official early childhood expert of the TK show. It's an incredibly important time in human development. From Kirk Taylor from New Balance. I work on the entertainment marketing team here at New Balance. And I'm a local DC Little since the WTEM days. I'd love to send Tony some sneakers and golf shoes if you're interested. Just send me size and a mailing address. You know, Michael can tell you that this is true. I buy New Balance sneakers. I go out specifically to the New Balance store on Route 1 in Rehoboth. Actually, it's probably in Lewis. And I bought a pair for about 130 bucks a couple of weeks ago. I love New Balance. That's yes. your brand, yeah. Yes. I didn't know about that one. Should have gotten to that one earlier. From Daphne Fields. She's smiling. Kanichiawa, Tony and friends. This isn't a cute, cheeky email. Just a note about real life in Japan. I've been here since November 2020 working for the U.S. Navy. I live in the Kanagawa Prefecture in a medium-sized town named Yakoska. Resist the urge to pronounce it as it's spelled. Listening to Barry's Verluga on the show yesterday, which was Thursday in Japan, describe what he's told the real world looks like after quarantine. Just want to confirm it's not a myth. If you walk around Japan, while you see almost everyone in masks, they do that routinely anyway and always have, it's not uncommon in Tokyo to see a bazillion people going about their orderly daily lives. The trains and buses are crowded at peak times, no social distancing, eating at restaurants, going to museums and parks and work, and don't even get me started on how crowded 
Costco is on Saturday and Sunday mornings. The national emergency is a request from the government that alcohol not be served in an establishment's close at 8 p.m., which is what San said. It's a request because the Japanese constitution does not allow such things to be mandated. Something dated back to World War II is the reason I've heard. Anyway, it's a beautiful country. I'll be here two to three more years. I highly recommend visiting. Well, your son or Nigel, anyone except you doesn't mind flying. And everybody does say that Tokyo is a great city. Yeah. Thank you for your show. I enjoy it, even though I detest baseball, and I'm not much of a golf fan, though I'm considering taking it up because of you. I'm told they have some great golf courses here. That's from Daphne Fields. From Chris Fitzpatrick, Springbrook High School, 1984. To add to your recent caddy stories, here I am staying in the Olympic Village, working for my player, Min Lee, representing her home country of Chinese Taipei. Imagine a six foot three inch, 55 year old gringo walking around the village wearing team clothing, too small to fit me and getting <laughs> stares from 20 year old athletes wondering how this guy did it. Enjoying my stay until the tournament starts next week. By the way, the cardboard bed can only be compared to spending a night in the Montgomery County Jail. But that's another story. Okay, this is from Bill Isaacson. Remarkably, this morning as I was eating breakfast, I turned on the TV and had the shocking opportunity to watch Brooke Forty swim for the U.S. team in the semifinals of the 4x200 this last week. That was exciting enough, but it also led to a unique David Aldridge marital moment. I reminded Sophia, also known as she who married me in Louisville, where Sophia and her family were from, that Brooke was from Louisville. In response, Sophia asked me if Brooke swam at Lakeside, and that led to me learning the following. Brooke did swim for the Lakeside Seahawks swim team at Lakeside Swim Club, a three million gallon watering hole between two houses in a Louisville neighborhood. On visits to Louisville, I've been to Lakeside Hole many times, although I did not so much swim as drink and splash my children. I learned for the first time on this morning that my wife, Sophia, swam on the same lakeside swim team that some years later included Brook Forty. Other than my visits, Lakeside has a prestigious swimming history. Several lakeside swimmers before Brook have qualified for and even medaled at the Olympics and World Games. That includes Jack Tingley, who won gold at the World Games in Moscow in the 800 and 1500 meter, and then went on to be the swim coach at Lakeside, including the coach for she to whom I'm still married. There's a dark side to Lakeside. In the 40s, Lakeside helped to pioneer synchronized swimming. I've now learned that she to whom I've remained married for decades actually participated in synchronized swimming for two weeks. But fortunately for the fate of our continuing marriage, she hated it more than McManus <laughs> hated Three Dog Night from Bill Isaacson. Richard Rosenthal in Nashville. It, has, it was my David Aldrich moment when you read Uncle John's letter because I have been a Phoebe Bacon fan for a long time. I'm sure she would be nice to Nigel. And I'm pleased that she's the official 200 backstroker of the show. You asked if Phoebe knows Katie Ledecky, and I'm sure you will get many emails describing how they both went to Little Flower, where Katie was Phoebe's reading buddy, and Stone Ridge, and both swam for the nation's capital swim club. But I fear that no one will tell you that both were coached by the great coach Yuri Suguiyama. Yuri coached Katie at NCAP, National Capital Swim Club, going into the 2012 Olympics where the 15-year-old Katie shocked the world by winning the 800 free. Now Yuri is the head coach at Wisconsin where he coaches Phoebe. I think Phoebe came in second, by yeah, the way. I think I so. think she silvered. Yeah. I think she got a silver medal. From Anthony Beeson, Dear Uncle Tony, I've enjoyed the exploits of Brooke Forty due to the connection to the show via proud Papa Pat. During the day Wednesday, I was aware that Miss Forty swam the anchor leg of the prelims and had led Team USA to victory in our heat, which qualified us for the finals in the 4 by 100 I thought it was 4 by 200 I had no plan, zero chance to stay up and watch the finals, which were scheduled for some time around 11.30 p.m. However, fate intervened. My 20-year-old son has left his laundry at our house and called us after the, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and I were fast asleep to let us know he was stopping by the house to pick it up. 
please feel free to share with the listeners that grown adult son still lets his mommy do his laundry for him. Well, since I was now awake, I checked my phone, and lo and behold, the 4x100, I guess, was in progress. I ran downstairs, flipped on the TV, found out they were in third place going into the final leg of the relay. This was the 200, 4x200. I must admit I've grown a bit jaded and blasé regarding sports as I get older. But when Katie Ledecky hit the water and started out like a speedboat, I jumped up and full-on started cheering. Come on, Katie. Come on, Katie. You can do it. Katie was phenomenal, Wilbon unsurprised, overtook the Aussie <laughs> swimmer, and if given a bit more pool length, she would have caught and overtaken the Chinese swimmer. It was all incredibly thrilling. I love sports. But all of this comes back to the show. I would have simply rolled back over and gone to sleep after my son's laundry hijinks had it not been for Katie Ledecky's visit to chatter and Pat Forty's updates regarding daughter Brooke. It was a double DA moment. I do not know how many littles around the world were up and cheating on, cheering on Katie and Brooke and the rest of the team. I do know that Bobby Gottfried was up as he posted about it. My suspicion is that many honorary aunts and uncles among the littles were cheering on our heroic nieces. That's from um, Tony Beeson in Cincinnati. From Justin Johnson in Arlington, Virginia. Dear Jeremiah, Scotty, Sean, and all the others. I'll admit I have no horse in this race but I feel it could be a lot worse. I mean, look at BAL, sports broadcaster, Baltimore, Jerry Sandusky. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's true. tough. Yes. From Paul Simon. Tom Jones, Rick Springfield, Jesse, all amateurs. None of them know what it feels like to be asked where Garfunkel is every other day. None of them know what it feels like to be asked what it was like living alone in New York. None of them know what it feels like to be asked if Chevy Chase is really as much of a pain on the set as he's rumored to be. I respectfully submit that those people are putzes and Subaru drivers worthy of neither attention nor sympathy. If you could do me the great honor of naming me the official Atlanta-based divorce attorney of the TK Show, in lieu of the hardship I've experienced since I learn to recognize shapes and colors maybe just maybe it would make up for 33 years worth of relegation to an inferior paul simon <laughs> and from john glenn dear dr ron on wednesday show i heard a fellow little attempt to one-up me when it came to given names here you go sparky try this one on for size <laughs> not only is my name a homophone for an astronaut not bezos or branson a real one u.s senator american hero and pioneer i grew up on marlboro place yeah like the cigarette every time my mother would order a pizza for us or give the nice kid on the other end of the line our address for delivery i'd always hear her downtrodden replies of yes like the cigarette. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, I, drew up in, I grew up in Modesto, California. D.C. residents may well remember the famous link, but for those who don't, Gary Condit was my representative growing up. To make matters worse, my yeah. freshman year at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa, was during the Haida Lacey Peterson trial. So I was the astronaut who grew up in the cigarette house in a murderous town. <laughs> Jeremiah, please liberally apply your sunscreen. And Tom, please pick up all the panties on your way off stage. I win. John Glenn. <laughs> How great is that? How great is that? If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Who's your favorite pitcher? Max Scherzer. What does Max Scherzer do? Thanks. Who's your favorite batter? Soto. Soto? Uh. <laughs>